Hello. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the very first episode of Victory Life Church's Conversations podcast. My name is Zach Backus, and I'm the campus pastor for the Durant location of Victory Life Church. This podcast is a creative project that we've been working on here as a campus, and we're excited to bring you the first episode today. Our heart behind this is to be able to have Holy Spirit-centered and guided conversations with leaders throughout our ministry, talking about core subjects in regards to the Christian faith, things going on in the culture, the marriage between those two, how these topics play out in our everyday lives, and general overall encouraging each other to grow in the Lord. Today's very first episode is all about the connection between spiritual warfare and musical worship. And this is really stemming from a midweek series that we're doing right now at the Durant campus called Warfare and taking an in-depth look on the spiritual fight that we're all engaged in, this fight of faith that we're called to. Have Tate Weatherly with us today to have this conversation, and we're really talking about the connection between musical worship and spiritual warfare. Tate, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Uh, Talk to us a little bit today about your connection to Victor Life Church and how you know me and why we're doing this talk. Okay. So um, I pretty much grew up at Victory Life uh, since I was a baby. Um, went to their Christian Academy, Victory Life Academy. Um, my parents have been really involved. My dad was a worship leader for 15 years at Victory Life, and they've always just volunteered. So I've always been very involved um, with the people here. I met you my sophomore year at VLA, and you were my history teacher slash Bible teacher slash everything teacher. <laughs> so, um, as and part then, of part of private Christian school <laughs> is uh, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> so it's awesome. Yeah. And you, you had a passion for worship from a very young age. Yes. And, yes. uh, and I know that you've been a part of our, uh, summer internships mm-hmm. through camp victory yep. and, uh, your, your class at the academy is just a really good mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a rowdy bunch, <laughs> uh, stubborn bunch. Uh, but man, we've we've seen some awesome people still connected to ministry today. Yep. yep. Uh, and Kayla our, McCusker, our Kayla Sherman location. Yep, absolutely. And uh, just some some awesome people coming out of that out of that class and that group, and uh, been honored to be connected to your life. And you're really a friend of our family. Yeah. Uh, overall, and you yeah. and uh, my sister-in-law Sierra. Shout mm-hmm. out to Sierra. Yes, love uh, her. You guys are are very close, and yeah. Um, I've just always respected and appreciated uh, the anointing on your life for worship, and I know that I had you leading uh, the worship and praise team in chapel mm-hmm. services yep. in the academy. Yep. And uh, to see that gift cultivated in you during that time, and now to be releasing what you do. Uh, on stage, and you got a chance to serve as a worship leader at Jubilee mm-hmm. this past year, mm-hmm. and that's got to be a cool experience. Yeah. And uh, what would you say um, is that connection to you? Where did that where did that love for worship and even identifying that call as a worship leader how how did that come about? Where did that come from? Yeah, so um, it's hard to pinpoint it because I literally grew up in. A very musical family and so I've always had a connection to singing had a connection to music um, 
when my dad was leading worship, like I was just around that environment so much and I would see him on stage leading worship, always, always attracted to it. Mm -hmm. And so I can't remember a time that I wasn't attracted to worship leading, but there definitely was like a time when I decided to actively pursue it. And so, um, that probably actually happened when I was 15 or 16 years old. So before that, um, I had been on I'd been on youth bands um, and youth ministry. I started that probably when I was like 13. Mm-hmm. But when you first start leading worship, you really imitate a lot and you don't yeah. and you don't really know your own personal identity mm-hmm. and um, how how you're supposed to lead. Yeah. And so um, a lot of it was just kind of imitation and training wheels. And then when I when I hit 15, I watched for the first time a YouTube video of uh, spontaneous worship mm-hmm. and prophetic worship. Mm-hmm. And um, this was a Bethel video. And I'd never seen it before. At the time, we didn't do it in our church. Mm-hmm. And so I'd never seen it before. But for some reason, I was instantly connected to it. Like, yeah. this is something I'm supposed to do. And this Man. is something my heart connects to. And I don't know why, because I've never seen it in person. Yeah. And so during those chapel times when I leave for you, it was a safe place yeah. to um, start taking risks yeah. in uh, spontaneous and yeah. prophetic. And so... Um, the deal was I've always been a very sensitive, emotional kid and mm-hmm. not always knowing the right outlet to get that out. Yeah. So sometimes I just let it kind of boil inside of me and mm-hmm. not know how to get it out. And so um, I, I found an outlet to process with the Lord my emotions. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I do in my personal worship. And it also applies to corporate worship mm-hmm. because I start um, – I start – getting words of knowledge about how the room is feeling. Mm -hmm. So if people are feeling depressed, if people are feeling undervalued like a stepchild by the Lord, then Mm -hmm. I I won't ignore those emotions. I will address them and then we'll progress to truth. And so, for example, I'd be like, there's people in the room who feel like you're in the back of the room and no one ever sees you, but the Lord says he sees you. And so you have to address where people are at. You can't just be like, you shouldn't feel that way. Man. You have, there has to be an emotional yeah. progression. And you see this in the Psalms, right? Yeah. yeah. Because David will be like, God, have you forgotten about me? And yeah. then by the end, he's like, I know you haven't. Yeah. And so there's this emotional progression. And I started seeing that when I started getting introduced to spontaneous worship, like I was able to seeing off the page and, and yeah. seeing what I was really feeling and just process with the Lord. So, man, that's awesome. So for you, there was a, a legitimate connection between the strong emotions you had as a kid growing up mm-hmm. and then the Lord kind of revealing to you that probably a lot of the times you were actually feeling things for people. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily even from yourself. Yes. Uh, and that played over into your gift. So is that a true statement? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Um, you know, those emotions, those feelings, those thoughts, all those things that we're talking about here are such a large component of what it means to engage in spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody I've ever talked to that's really in the midst of a spiritual fight, um, that's what they're experiencing. They're experiencing a very strong emotion of depression, anxiety, sorrow. Uh, they're experiencing bombarding thoughts of eat like you even hit on being mm-hmm. devalued or whatever yeah. it might be. And, um, you know, the series that we're in right now that I started last week on warfare, um, for me, I, I can't imagine engaging in warfare, mm-hmm. in spiritual warfare, and, and not connect that to worship, yeah. musical worship. Yeah. Uh, and worship so much more than just what we do and we sing. Yeah. Worship's a lifestyle. Yes. It's a way that exactly. we live. It's a posture before God. So for today's conversation, we're really focusing in on that musical worship, that praise and worship yeah. component of our walk with the Lord. So yeah. as a worship leader 
and somebody that you even touched on a difference between what you do privately mm-hmm. and what you yeah. do publicly in leading folks. Yeah. What's that connection with those emotions, with those thoughts, with those feelings that people have that oftentimes are the byproducts of a spiritual fight mm-hmm. that's going on in their life, especially with strong negative feelings? How does musical worship help uh, fight that fight? What's the mm-hmm. connection between spiritual warfare in our lives and musical worship. Yeah. Um, so in scripture, there's this clear history of the connection between the two, musical worship and um, warfare. So we have David, who was a man of war, as well as an avid worshiper, mm-hmm. and probably the first worship leader since he, we have the Psalms, as well yep. as his songbook. Um, and so we have him being both and it working really well for him somehow. Cause, yeah. um, and then we have him playing for Saul on the harp mm-hmm. and, and then the, the tormenting spirits would leave yeah. for some reason because he was anointed and he played his instrument. And so there's that kind of warfare. And then we have um, the really popular story about King Jehoshaphat sending worship leaders out on the front line to sing to the Lord. And then the Lord started sending ambushes as they began to sing. Yeah. And so... Um, there's this clear like heritage of a connection between those two. Um, and so that, that applies both to corporate and personal. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's powerful in both those ways. But, um, one of the beautiful things about that, the King Jehoshaphat story is, um, he was not actually commanded to worship. Mm -hmm. The Lord just said, the battle's mine. Yeah. It's not yours. So actually, and in Second Chronicles 20, verse 17, um, the Lord says, You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. And so the command was not um, to sing in order to win. Yeah. The command was just to stand firm um, and hold your position. Yeah. And then King Jehoshaphat said, well, the best way to do that is to sing and keep our minds mm. on the, the best way to combat not being afraid That's good. and not being dismayed That's good. is to sing. And so worship is this weapon. Um, it's a weapon of defense. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's how we hold our ground. That's good. And too many people approach worship as striving yeah. and pushing. Yeah, offensive. Yeah. When it's really um, defensive. And, and, uh, One of my favorite worship leaders, Stephanie Gretzinger, says, your power is not in your push, it's in your heart's position. Mm, And so when we we approach worship as like something, I'm striving and trying to get God to do something Mm -hmm. instead of resting in what he's already said he's going to do, it's a totally different position and approach to worship as warfare and as a weapon. Man, man. So what are the similarities to that posture and that approach in the corporate setting to the private setting? And um, how, how would you... I guess the question I'm asking is this, how would you encourage people to engage in worship um, corporately, privately? Is there a difference? Is it the Mm -hmm. same posture? Uh, What does that look like and how does that play out? Because we know when we come together in a service and we've got a room full of hundreds, thousands of people, there's an emotional response that we feel because yeah. it's very big. We, yeah. we see the connection to something bigger than us and everybody's singing the same thing and saying the same thing. Yeah. But you and I both know, we've talked about this before, is that there is an even deeper place of experiencing God's presence and His power in, in a private worship. Mm-hmm. But how does that play out in people's lives between 
what are we looking for in a corporate setting versus what are we looking for in a private setting? Yeah. And how does that connect yeah. to the warfare? So I think of it as a husband and wife have their relationship at home. And then when they come to family gatherings with everyone else, mm-hmm. um, it can't just be about them and it can't just be about them meeting their needs. Um, you're very others minded in corporate settings. You're very, that's good. Um, a lot of people get prophetic words, you know, for other people and not just for themselves. And so it's more yeah. like a family gathering. So there's a little different mindset, but you need both. Like if you're not getting that personal time, mm-hmm. you're going to come and you're going to be empty and, and you're only going to want to take mm-hmm. and you have nothing to give anyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's family. Like you can't just take. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they definitely, they, you need both of them. And if you're, you can't be strong in one and not strong in the other and be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they definitely do look different. And I feel like there is a different mindset. And especially with worship leaders, um, we want we want to be aware of the demographics of the crowd, new believers, old believers. And mm-hmm. so you have to be more aware of that than you ever would in personal settings. Because in yeah. personal settings, I'll just let loose. Like, it's just yeah. me and the Lord. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I, but you need that time mm-hmm. so badly so that when you have that time and you get your love tank, we call it love tank. When mm-hmm. you get your love tank filled by the Lord, mm-hmm. then when you come to corporate settings, um, you won't just be taking, you'll, we'll be able to give. Man, that's awesome. And from a worship leader perspective, that's like, that's amazing. And I hear you even speaking to a congregation member listening to this and understanding that we're all leading at some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the priesthood of the believer. So I love that same thought process even in regards to uh, as a congregant, maybe I'm not on stage leading worship, but I love what you said about there's that husband and wife relationship privately Mm. versus family gathering. Mm. I think that's such a cool analogy because Mm. even I believe that it's in times of worship corporately that gifts that we haven't operated in, not just from the person on the stage, but the person in the seat, Mm. there's things that are woke up in them that's needed for the person next to them. Yes, yeah. That happens in a time of worship. Yeah. And and I feel like a lot of the time it's easy to come into church uh, expecting to receive. Mm-hmm. And I wonder as a pastor what it would be like if we devoted more time to receiving from the Lord privately. Yes. And now pouring out corporately. Yes. Not just from the stage leadership, but from the people that are sitting in the yeah. seats. Yeah. Uh, so that to me is just a cool, a cool connection point there. And I love how you, how you said that. Um, so talking about a practical way, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of these concepts for some people can be like, man, that sounds really good. And yeah, I desire that. I desire a personal time of worship with the Lord. And I'd love to come to church filled up and ready to pour out onto others. Yeah. And I'd love to go out into my world and be able to do that. And we and they and we can connect and say, I know that comes from a, a private time yeah. uh, of, of intimacy with God. How what's a practical way that musical worship plays out into your private devotion with God? Like somebody that come to you and say, Tate, as a worship leader and somebody gifted in this and that walks in this, mm-hmm. how would you encourage me to start implementing musical worship time in my devotion time? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. So, um, something I do is I spend time in my car a lot with, with music just because I have a 30 minute commute there Mm -hmm. and back from work. And so, um, I spend that time either listening to music or sometimes you need silence. And I think silence can still be worship because the Hebrew worship is, um, the Hebrew word for worship in the old Testament is shahach. 
-hmm. And that just means to fall face down before the the Lord. Mm -hmm. So both the Hebrew word for worship and the Greek word for worship in the New Testament don't actually denote anything about music, Mm -hmm. but it's about this position. Yeah. So that's why you can take the position of worship, whether you can sing or not, Mm -hmm. whether you can play an instrument or not. And so... um, that that's the essential. The essential is this position of reverence and this position of surrender. So whatever it takes for you to get there, um, whether it's through solitude or whether it's through music, then do that. Um, another way to implement that, just in a very practical way, at the end of the day, after I get off work, a lot of times I'll go home and um, I'll put my earbuds in, I'll get my iPod, and um, I'll walk around in nature. Mm-hmm. For some reason nature and worship really work well together because mm-hmm. um, when I listen to worship music in my house I don't know it just feels more confined and so a lot of times um, I'll just I'll walk around my yard and I'll have um, my earbuds in just listen to worship music or sometimes um, again I'll just have quiet time walking around my yard and so that's a practice I also have and then I've also done soaking um, before and soaking is when um, you lay completely flat on the ground. Now, this you would have to do in your house. Yeah. If you lay completely flat on the ground outside, you're going to have bugs yeah. in your hair Problems. while your eyes are closed. <laughs> and so that would be problematic. But so, but I've done um, soaking. I just go in my bedroom. I lay down on my floor, and I put my earbuds in again and get instrumental music. Mm-hmm. And you get instrumental, so um, just help you meditate on something specific instead of having words from the song kind of distracting. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get instrumental and some people soak for like very long periods of time. So mm-hmm. like an hour, more than an hour. And um, that just kind of helps you recalibrate mm-hmm. in your in your mind, will, and emotions. Um, so that's a very effective method. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of for people who have a lot of time, maybe single yeah. <laughs> people. Um, not, not a very effective method if you're trying to watch kids. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't... Um, advise a soaking then yeah. but um then you might take the method of the car yeah you know, the music in the car that might work better um but yeah those are some practical things that i've i've practiced and how to introduce worship in everyday life that's awesome and in, in that soaking principle you're really allowing yourself to be to as all things the music that you're listening to is just a tool to bring you into an increased awareness of his mm-hmm. presence yeah uh, focus yeah because we're it's since it's a position, mm-hmm. it's so important to keep that focus because you can be singing to God mm-hmm. and not be focused on Him. That's true. And it's really just words in your mouth, and yep. so it really takes this inward position. So music helps. Like the times that I've needed music the most is when I have the hardest war going on in my mind. Mm-hmm. When I have when I'm attacked with the most anxiety and just heavy thoughts, like constantly attacking, mm-hmm. then music is very helpful because it'll keep you in a frame of mind constantly. But yeah. if you're not being attacked with that as much yeah. then I would advise having more silence and solitude. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, you know, this is one of those things that preachers love to, to preach on. I've preached on it before. But uh, you know, Paul and Silas, freshly beat, imprisoned, mm-hmm. midnight hour comes around yeah. and there's a lot of things that they could be doing yes. in that time mm-hmm. of testing of, of trial. Uh, but they choose to start singing, mm-hmm. and, and there is a literal breakthrough that happens. Chains yes. fall off, yes. the whole place is shook. Yeah. Uh, and for me, um, you talking about those rhythms that you're doing in private, um, when you're in the midst of a fight, uh, what you do in private becomes what you do in public. Mm-hmm. And I think that that pressure, even in Paul and Silas's life, you see there's clearly an inroad that they had to singing hymns, singing psalms, mm-hmm. 
that they did as part of their private devotion because yeah. when the lights went out, so to speak, yeah. and when they were in the middle of that fight, yeah. they defaulted They defaulted mm-hmm. to what their discipline was. Yep. Um, yeah. So I feel like even practical example there from the scripture of even in your worst possible settings and moments and experiences, we could make a strong case that that's a time when you need to connect with the Lord. Yeah. Uh, even even through a means that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so I I really I really like that perspective mm-hmm. in that in yeah. that take on that. Um, so kind of just a fun question. <laughs> Do you have like a favorite worship song right now that you're yeah. listening to that you're stuck on? Yeah. What 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 is it? Um, Whisper by Jason Upton was like a default soaking song for mm-hmm. me, cause um it's so peaceful. And um, his relationship with the Lord is so precious, you can feel it mm-hmm. in his songs. You can feel just this really sincere affection for the Lord. And so I listen to that song a lot. Yeah, yep. that's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, this past, this past Wednesday, I talked about just in passing that um, we, need to, we need to cultivate an atmosphere of worship around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was really talking about, you know, there's this spiritual air, there's this spiritual climate around us. Um, how does that private time of personal worship, how does that clear that spiritual air? Like, what mm. does that, what does that look like? What mm. is that, what's that experience yeah. like for you? Um, I know a preacher said before, like, you can't get, you can't give what you don't have. Yeah. And so like the only way to exude the presences, to be in it. Um, and That's so, good. That's good. Like time alone with the Lord, you can't really replace it with anything else if you if you want to be powerful around other people and if you want to have anything good to give, then you have to have the presence in you and mm-hmm. on you. So, yeah. That's awesome. I think uh, that, that clearing of the spiritual air is like... Um, the kingdom of God is just so counterintuitive a lot of time. There's some preachers that say it's an upside-down kingdom mm-hmm. uh, because there's something, too, when I'm being bombarded with thoughts of anxiety mm-hmm. and there's an inroad from a negative spirit mm-hmm. or a situation that's trying to put anxiety in me, when I'm alone in a personal way with God, I actually choose to put music of peace into me. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that private worship almost is how I reconstitute or re-energize that power of choice that I have Mm -hmm. that I can let the anxiety and the bombarding thoughts and whatever Mm -hmm. spiritual fight I'm in drown out God's peace or I can choose to do what's counterintuitive and even though it looks like I don't have anything to praise God about Mm -hmm. or it looks like this would not be the circumstance that I want to get into a posture of surrender to God by choosing to do that I'm actually reintroducing something into my environment that's supposed to be my norm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've danced before when I was very sorrowful mm-hmm. and, and dealing with very heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. But I felt like that was my warfare and that was my declaration of joy in that's my awesome. own life. And that's so, yeah, awesome. it is very counterintuitive. Sometimes you have to get very bold and very serious about recovery yeah. from those things. So, yeah. yeah. I was uh, listening to uh, a guy, uh, Chris Chris Gore. He's the uh, healing, healing ministry director at Bethel Church. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was there in May for a healing conference, and he talked about uh, fighting some major health battles and and uh, with the with his daughter. And uh, there was one particular setting in, in a hospital where it was just not looking good for for her, and and the situation. 
and uh, he said he actually closed the door and he pulled up a chair and he told the devil to sit down because <laughs> uh, he was going to have to watch him worship God. Yeah. Uh, and alone in that hospital room, he said he worshiped God uh, the longest and hardest that he ever has his oh whole my. life. Uh, so that example was what you're talking about with that choice of yeah. dancing in sorrow. Yeah. That really is the point of worship is really recalibration. Yeah. Yeah. It's really to get us back into that posture, like you said, yeah. of, okay, I'm not bowing before my problem. I'm going to bow before God. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to get my song. He's going to get my dance. He's going to yes. get my silence. He's going to, yes. I'm not, I'm going to choose what I'm going to release into the air around me. And we know that God's greater than whatever the prince of the power of the air is trying to do. So um, I know for me personally in, in our house, it seems like my wife always has worship music going. Yeah. You know, uh, sometimes yeah. the, the instrumental stuff or, or whatever uh, uh, on the TV. And there's just something to really claiming the place that you live because mm -hmm. let's yes. face it, none of us are living at church. Yes. Even though like yeah. me, sometimes it feels like I <laughs> live at the church, but I live at home and it's like talking about the counterintuitive thing of the kingdom of God. It's counterintuitive for us as believers for the only place where sounds of worship are happening yes. is at the church building Yeah. and not in our, in our homes. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think, you know, what's, What's your like encouragement for people that are struggling with like the awkwardness mm -hmm. of of that? Because not everybody's living in a perfect home environment. Yeah. Uh, even married people, sometimes you got one spouse serving the Lord, one spouse not. Yeah. Uh, teenage kids that are being resistant to the yeah. way mom and dad want to live or things and structures to set up. What would be your encouragement for people that are trying to fight past that awkwardness of cultivating personal worship in their life, cultivating that spirit of praise in their home, what would your encouragement be for those people that that's their fight is like, I want to do that, but how? Yeah. How do I do that? Well, I guess it, it depends on your your type of authority you have in your home. So if you're a kid and your parents are unbelievers, then I'd probably suggest just like the earbud method mm -hmm. and not, um, you know, like having it on the TV or like having it for everyone to hear. Um just to try to be honorable in that way and not try to push it on people. Yeah. Um, and so just get a, a really good pair of earbuds you yeah. know, that have really good sound and really sound canceling, you there know, you go. Yeah. Um, in your room. And um, if you're a spouse, well, I've never been married, so I don't exactly know the right protocol you would go about in an honorable way. If mm -hmm. you want to introduce more worship music in your house, but your spouse doesn't, mm -hmm. um, you probably would have a conversation and, Say, can Express we? Express a need. Hey, yeah, this is something yeah. I'm needing. Have some kind of honorable conversation like that. Yeah. Um, that and, and your reasoning for why you want to introduce mm -hmm. that kind of music in mm -hmm. your home. Absolutely. And I think it even connects to something that you said earlier about that time in your car, the time when you're not with people. Mm -hmm. And what you said about, you know, if I want to exude God's presence, I have to be in God's presence. Yeah. So even that encouragement for that situation, if you've got a situation to where they don't, your spouse or somebody in the home doesn't want that. Yeah. You get alone with God anyway. Yeah. And that air around you is going to be tangible and exactly. noticeable. Yeah. Uh, and we believe that God's presence is greater than whatever opposition is going on. Yeah. Uh, in in the house, so that even connecting back to your thoughts on uh, that private time with the Lord, I think is is really key. Yeah. Uh, but I love I love the heart of even uh, with the kid and 
honoring your parents mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. And at the end of the day, um, I feel like um, the enemy operates so often just through intimidation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times people are experiencing that awkwardness of like, how do I do it? Yeah. So they never attempt. Yeah. It's like the fear of awkwardness and being intimidated of it being awkward. Yeah. They never have a true conversation with their spouse of, yeah. hey, this is something I would like. Or even even a child in the home mm. won't go to mom and dad yeah, and say, exactly. would it be okay if we listen to this yeah. or whatever yeah. it might be? So I think another piece of encouragement there is just make a decision to not be intimidated. Yeah. Uh, and to take a step, have a conversation. So mm. that's awesome. Uh, in kind of closing and wrapping up here, is there anything that as you were preparing to come and give this talk, was there anything specific on your heart from the Lord that mm. you just want to say to anybody listening in regards mm. to this subject or any subject? I think we actually about covered everything I planned awesome. to come and say, actually. <laughs> you feel good? Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks again for taking time to be with us. And um, our prayer for you that's listening to this is that you'd be encouraged in taking another step uh, in your in your private worship time with God and uh, learning to understand. And one one of the big takeaways for me from listening to Take Talk is that worship is a weapon of defense uh, and that don't let the enemy lie to you that you're losing ground. You've been given ground Mm -hmm. because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Worship is what keeps you uh, renewed to that understanding and keeps you connected to that that Mm -hmm. place. Uh, So awesome. Tate, why don't you pray us out? Okay. Jesus, we just thank you for how good you are. Thank you that we can be assured of your nature of goodness, God. Thank you um, that we can hold our position when we keep our eyes on you and you keep us in perfect peace, no matter what kind of opposition we're experiencing in our emotions or in our home. Um, We just thank you that you always give perfect peace, that it's a free thing that you give us when we keep our eyes on you and we trust in you. So we just thank you for that, Jesus. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Guys, take care, and we hope to see you soon. Bye-bye.